Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Um, I've got uh, a good friend of mine on the show today. Um, we have, we go back to uh, 2014 or so, the Damn, Juplex. You even, you even remember the date. See, I just remember the Plex. I don't even remember, like, that was a whole, like, all that is just blended in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that tends to happen. Um, but uh, he is a, a corporate wellness guy. Um, he... Uh, majored in kinesiology at school um, and he's focused on uh, uh, like physical therapy kind of stuff yeah yeah I do personal training exercise stuff exercise specializing sure. cool like so we got Alinge Kange on the show today welcome to the show man happy to be here Brad good how uh, how's your day today it was uh it was actually a pretty good day yeah um, woke up Pretty early, like I yeah. Fun fact: We were supposed to do this episode uh, earlier today, but yeah. um, uh, he, he had to be at work, uh, so we managed to do it after work. Right. So I woke up real early, had a great breakfast, got a little workout in, then uh, I fell asleep. <laughs> nice. Sure. Uh, by the time I ended up waking up, I had a couple missed calls from Ben and uh, <laughs> realized I wouldn't be able to do it within the time I had to be to work. So. Move some things around. Now I'm here. Here we are, man. Yes. Well, I'm very, very fortunate to have you here. We actually originally, um, you approached me on like with the idea of the show when we were at uh, shout out Bailey Bellinger, uh, the Queen. Uh, it was her birthday a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we were at McGillicuddy's mm -hmm. uh, right on Water Street, and you were like, "Bro, we should do a podcast." And I'm like, "Man, I'd love to do a podcast." Yeah. And uh, we we had some drinks, definitely. Uh, like I I had some drinks oh, at least. I definitely had more than a few. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All all the love and the celebration for Bailey's birthday. Right. But um, I was uh, very excited to do it. Um, I felt like uh, you would bring a very unique avenue to um, you know, love and fear, which is the theme of the show. Okay. So I will on that note give you the choice of whether or not you want to drink the Miller Lite or the PBR. Um, I have been a Miller Lite guy ever since I moved to Milwaukee about seven years ago, so I was valid. Quick, or stick to that thing. That is fair. Um, so power to it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, oh man. So, um, so as I said before, um, so we talk about love and fear and how that manifests in passionate and creative minds. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so Linge, I know you're originally from the Twin Cities, mm -hmm. um, so I guess to start, uh, I guess like what made you decide to, uh, you know, come here to Milwaukee and yeah. what, what attracted you to the city? Um, so honestly, when I first started getting into like the thought of college and like what I would do going forward, Milwaukee wasn't even a thought. It wasn't until a little bit afterwards that my mom had mentioned that a cousin of mine graduated from UWM and a pharmaceutical degree. Okay, sure. And we had always been a family that's kind of really active, and so we really were happy to see that there was someone in our family that could graduate with a health-related degree yeah. from the school. And so I applied uh, to this one and then a few others. Um, 
got into the University of Iowa, oh, wow. but that place was expensive, so I was like, not gonna happen. Yeah, it's Big Ten. Yeah, it's Big Ten. Yeah. It's expensive, and it's Iowa. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about Iowa, but I know there's not much going on. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the entire culture is based around the university. Right. Right. And so I definitely wanted to go to a place that wasn't a uh, state town. Mm-hmm. So um, came to Milwaukee. First, first experience was interesting. Um, had never visited up until my orientation day. Oh, yeah. So I had sure. no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> nice. Uh, first night I'm here, find out a bus crashes into a grocery store somewhere. Oh, wow. And I'm with my parents and we're all just thinking, well, this is going to be an interesting four years, yeah. and it was. Uh, yeah, just I stayed for four years. Actually, no, I take that back. Um, finished my first year here. Everything was awesome, but I still hadn't fully fallen in love with the city. And so my thought process was, okay, I got the education. I know what I want to start to do. I do want to focus on health. So... Um, I wanted to go back home to Minnesota and got into the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. You know, mm-hmm. Go Gophers. There you go. Um, but uh, that was a weird experience. It's definitely interesting. Um, I feel like since I lived outside of the Twin Cities for the first time on my own, it opened my eyes to what was possible to, in the in the real world. Sure. And so I uh, went back home, was like, nah, can't do this. Came back to uh, Milwaukee and I've been here ever since. Oh, well, it's uh, awesome. I kind of similarly, um, I never uh, toured Milwaukee until I had, I'd already actually committed to Milwaukee before okay. I came here yep. too. Um, and, um, I went on like the Go Milwaukee tour. Uh, before my orientation, it was just like kind of like a. It was like a. It was a. It was like an orientation, orientation mm-hmm. of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, and I come from the Chicago suburbs, and um, you know, I just wanted a, a community that was not far from home, but okay. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be in Chicago. I wanted a different environment, and Milwaukee was just, you know, right up the shore, obviously. So, mm-hmm. found a home here pretty quickly. Uh, joined the fraternity, yep. and uh, that helped expand my social horizons and everything. It helps me with. That's how we Shout know out. each other. So you pursued kinesiology. Mm-hmm. I know we had a class together at one point uh, that you ended up <laughs> dropping. <laughs> oh, it was man. a health yeah. psych. Yeah, that's, oh man, that class was rough. I barely passed that class with a C. Um, I left mainly because I had taken all the classes required that made up that class. <laughs> and I already knew everything that he was talking about. So. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, um, so like, I guess, like, what was your original intention with uh, pursuing your uh, career with kinesiology? So, in high school, shit, can I swear? Please do, Uh, yes. So, in high, like, not even from high school, from, like, the age of five, I was bleeding soccer. I was playing year-round with maybe three, a month off between the fall season, the summer-fall season, and then the uh, winter spring season. So I was 
constantly playing soccer. Sure. Did that all the way up until my senior year of high school. But then once I, um, like here and there was introducing other sports like football, basketball, baseball, um, and then tennis, and then just like little, little things like, yeah. just to at least experience yeah, of course. a different sport. True. Um, but then when I went to high school, I got into track, and it was mainly soccer and track from there on out. And so I was always doing two sports, <laughs> sometimes at the same time. Um, in track, uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I ended up straining my hamstring. Mm -hmm. um, and it was such a detrimental injury because it was happening right when I needed to be like healthy and when I needed to be as quick as possible. And um, the fact that I kept getting injured over and over again, went to a physical therapist, did the exercises he told me to help relieve the pain, um, but it kept happening. And so I realized that no one ever instructed me how to decrease, like, um, not decrease, avoid the pain by strengthening the muscles. Sure. No yeah. one told me how to do that. Um, so my, the, my thought in going into kinesiology was I want to become a physical therapist that can help people not just strengthen their body so that they never get injured, but also um, make a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't something I picked up on until I started going into school, but I realized how unhealthy the country is right now and the world is at this point. And I wanted to be able to do my part to help people improve their own lives mm -hmm. and take, uh, take their life into their own hand. Because I know life can be very stressful for people. Yeah. Work can cause a lot of stress, yeah. uh, life, family, and sometimes they just don't have time for yourself. That's where I find that exercise comes into hand. Sure. Doesn't matter if it's an hour and a half, doesn't matter if it's 15 to 20 minutes. Keeping yourself active does uh, causes more endorphins to rise in the brains. Yeah. Uh, shout out to kinesiology degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, true, yeah. <laughs> but it helps stimulate the brain so that you aren't feeling as beat up with all that stress. And so my goal now is to just help people become aware of that. Sure, and just help people become yeah. healthy. Totally, yeah. Um, so, um, what's the? I guess so. Mentioned earlier, so you work with corporate wellness. So I guess, mm -hmm. like, what does that entail? Um, so, corporate wellness uh, is a corporation that hires uh, fitness or fitness professionals like myself to better off their employees. So where those employees have a free gym. And nice. which is yeah, that's and so that's something that's that corporations are starting to do, which I like. But there's a lot of things that uh, still need to go on to help improve the health of their employees. But my role is to do what I can to make those employees healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, okay, sure. So that's a it's a really good service. That yeah, they've got there yeah. um, because I mean, I know that corporations typically provide not only like uh, you know not only salary and uh, different kinds of insurance and everything, but that's great that they have that sort of 
physical uh, education and also just, you know, physical awareness that right. allows somebody to, you know, be, um, that just allows them to be active and allows them to be conscious of, mm-hmm. you know, their own, you know, activity and everything like that. So I guess like, uh, what has, what, what has being in the position that you've been in taught you about the general health of individuals oh, that work in in the, in the corporate field? I knew that I knew that where that question was going. Yeah. Um, so, truth, being truthfully honest, uh, it's taught me a lot of negative things. Um, the main positive is that the corporations are starting to make a change and starting to become aware that they're providing some sort of stress to their employees' yeah. lives and they need to do something to help relieve this stress. Mm-hmm. So they are taking a step forward. But in saying that, um, capitalism has become such a, I don't even know how to, a thing. Yeah. It's, it's a oh, yeah. thing. It's yeah, totally. like, I don't know how to say anything else, but it's... Dude, I have a lot of conversations of, about capitalism on yeah. this show, and we're so fucking over it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring it up, but, like, yeah. <laughs> corporate it's, wellness... It is I, real. It is. It yeah, is. it is real. So, like, that capitalism has definitely caused them to not fully pay attention to their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced... I've seen employees that are unhealthy and heavily overweight, and I've seen employees that are dead tired, that have been working shit, 45, a normal working week, upwards of 80 to 100 hours, extreme work enemies, wow. constantly flying all over the place, interrupting their life, not giving them time to kind of like settle down, and so there's always this high stress level in this in the corporate industry and being there being someone that is employed to make sure that their employees are healthy I see a lot of things that are still causing unhealthy uh, stress towards their employees Mm -hmm. and so I don't know I'm kind of torn because like yes they are taking a step in the right direction but these steps are still taking too much time and people are be, uh, becoming more and more unhealthy because of this. Yeah. Yes, we are able to make a difference for some people, but the corporate lifestyle makes it so that we can't help all people. Yeah. And no, that's, that's something that, uh, it just sucks working that in a place where you want to be able to help everyone, but you literally can't. Yeah. So how do you address it when you feel like you can't totally help somebody um i give them as much advice as i can um i've given away i don't even know how many free personal training sessions um i'm not someone i'm not a capitalist i don't care about the money yeah i just want to make sure that you're healthy and that you're taking the steps the right steps that you need in order to better off your health um i've left places because they don't necessarily agree or see that some people can't afford our services because yeah. we have to, unless we're our own independent worker, we have to have a certain price tag on our services and not everyone can afford that. And our 
policy is if you can't afford it, shit, you're out of luck. Damn. And I mean, we're supposed to give them advice, but advice only goes so far, especially if people have never had experience in a gym or making that major lifestyle change and they yeah. need someone to help guide them. Mm -hmm. We're not able to necessarily do that. So I try to offer as much advice as I can. Yeah. So I give away free personal training sessions. I will sometimes end up losing out on my own money because I'll say I'm doing training during this hour and so you, I'm not gonna worry about being paid for that. So like I trade off my service, my own pay for their health. So sure. I'm not someone that really cares about the money but it's hard because I still need money and so yeah. like I can't not say that you have to pay me. I have to make sure that if there are, if we do get to that point where it's like, all right, we are, we're doing training sessions. I can't just keep doing this. Yeah. They do have to either pay, which they can't always afford, and so they stop like talking yeah. to me or stop going to the gym in general, or we get to work together but it's only for a short period of time. And you can't teach a major lifestyle change in four weeks. That's definitely, I can see where the capitalism plays into that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Well, there's only so much we can do as right. uh, you know, slaves to the system and everything like that. Like what is, what, how has that taught you about yourself and I guess like how is how do you feel like it's better you as an individual um it's made me more aware I wouldn't say it's necessarily made me a, or bettered my life because now I have entered that corporate lifestyle yeah. and regardless of what I do I still feel that corporate stress even if it doesn't uh, directly affect me um, so I'm just becoming more aware and seeing the signs and seeing what's going wrong and where things need to be uh, fixed. Mm -hmm. Like it's helped me understand what I can do more as a trainer to help uh, people as much as I can. Yeah. Um, like I've realized that working in corporate how much you sit. There's always that joke about cubicles and blah, blah, blah. But that's not even a joke. That's real corporate yeah. life and yeah. it sucks. Um, you can see the stress weigh on the people. It starts to weigh on myself. And I just have to, you know, keep mentally telling myself, this is just, you know, the corporate atmosphere. Mm -hmm. This isn't necessarily you like thinking or anything like that yeah. this is just the area that you're currently in and as soon as I step out of that corporate lifestyle I'm like I'm back to where I need to be yeah. and I can like kind of lift my spirits up sure yeah no that makes total sense so how much would you say you exercise total a day mm -hmm. so I imagine you're very conscious about that mm -hmm. you probably exercise every day yeah I would pretty much say not a full-blown workout but I'm doing high levels of activity every single day, whether it's teaching group fitness, demonstrating exercises for my clients, practicing, 
exercises for my future clients or other group fitness. Um, moving weights around, just wandering, stretching, just because I want to stay limber. Okay. So yeah, I'm constantly moving, sure. which has its ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like kind of is like a very basic uh, physical measure I like to do for myself. I just like to walk a mm -hmm. lot. Like I, I just walk everywhere, you it's, know? It's so relaxing. It is. Um, it's also very, you know, it's especially when you like have music in, like when, like in your headphones, mm -hmm. um, that kind of makes me almost walk with more determination. <laughs> so like I, I try to be, um, you know, kind of physically active as well, like get out of my room and just sort okay. of be more active when it comes to other you know, walking somewhere like I always try to walk to my destination if it's in if it's within proximity, mm -hmm. um, because a taking public transportation costs money. B, it's yeah, there's the physical benefit for myself to like actually exercise mm -hmm. and like I'm, I am being both mentally and physically stimulated. I try to exit the house every day, and that kind of like kind of automatically gives that mantra that I'm exercising mm -hmm. by walking or, you know, otherwise, like, you know, just at least getting myself out and doing some kind of physical, act physical activity. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, at the same time, you know, we're caught in this, this, uh, we're caught in a society of convenience. We really are, and it's a deep unfortunate that uh, we've begun to rely on no longer having to go places. In fact, we just press a button on our phone. You can get groceries online now. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tragic. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah, there's a convenience of it, but that saves you so many steps that you could be exercising going to the grocery store mm -hmm. and like walking down every single right. aisle right picking up the things you need Imagine and stimulating yourself like yeah. do i want the craft box of macaroni and cheese or do i want the Velveeta? or the annies Ooh. i always go for the annies I'm, I'm gonna have to stick with Velveeta. fair it's fair, the fair. liquid gold i usually <laughs> go with the annies but yeah, side of the point we can differ on that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like, I think that that's sort of like a, uh, that's a toxicity that social media has had, or just, mm -hmm. I guess, the power of the internet in general, where we have, it's been made so much easier for us to, you know, have those, um, those a lot of errands have become mobile, right. you know? Um, so there's a recent study, health study that came out from, uh, I, I think it was either Georgia, somewhere in the U.S. or Sweden, one of those two places. Sure, okay. But they uh, came out with a study, did a, a psychological and physical test on a number of individuals, and the conclusion came to be that spending just two hours outside a day uh, significantly increases the morale of the individual that's mm -hmm. going outside and it doesn't even have to be two hours straight like just 10 minute periods yeah. that total up to two hours and you can be a much happier person mm -hmm. and like 
you are able to kind of go back to what our ancestors used to surround themselves with, yeah, just nature. Yeah. Like there was nature everywhere and then cities grew up and all that. Not saying cities are bad, but cities have significantly reduced the amount of nature that yeah. we have access to. Yeah. And that's why you see so much stress in the cities. Totally, no, that's absolutely true. Um, do, you do, your, do, you do, do you do a lot of exercises just within your house, like within your room? Like, mm. because I know a lot of, like, my mom always tells me, she's always like, do 10 push-ups a day, you know? That kind of shit. Yeah. But I have no incentive to do that stuff unless like I'm at the gym mm -hmm. or when I'm like actually actively in a in a setting where like I'm there to work out. Right. Um, you, do you do much of that stuff or do you mostly just kind of do what you were saying, like just try to be outside and active and everything? No, I uh, definitely do exercises in my house, um, apartment rather, and because it's an apartment that makes it a little bit harder. You don't have nearly as much space. Um, but I definitely do my own exercises every now and then. I more than occasionally will practice group fitness moves mm -hmm. to make sure that one, they're doable by the members, and two, um, I just want to do them. Yeah. It's fun to work out. It is. Um, it can be, yeah. It, yeah, it can be. It Some, can be. Sometimes <laughs> it sucks, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> Oh no, yeah. That's valid, totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I want to shift gears a little bit because right. uh, one of the things that you also mentioned, and this is, this, 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 you know, it is definitely intertwined with like physical health and everything like that. So, okay. uh, something that you mentioned when we originally formulated doing an episode, we talked about you said you wanted to speak on mental health in, um, in, uh, black communities right um i guess how would you say you you know that speaks personally to you and i guess it's like what would you have to say about how that's you know that has an effect on the large-scale demographic mm -hmm. so just putting it out there i have adhd it's been diagnosed since i think four or five and um i've been medicated on and off for most of my life. So I've been able to kind of experience how I react both with things that are supposed to help me and things that are, uh, well, well, I'm not on those things. Um, but as a, not just black male, an African male because my dad is African, um, and then I'm also biracial because my mom is white, I have noticed that there is a huge indiscrepancy um, towards how not just the black slash African-American communities look at mental health, but how it is acknowledged towards uh, individuals that have it. Um, I've run into several clients that have just off put, offhandedly said something that's kind of uh, degrading towards people that have learning disorders and mental health uh, struggles and it's like I don't know if you just say that and these people are black um, and I don't know if you're just saying that because you've never experienced that or if you really have that stigma um, I have encountered people that 
have family that has um, a relative that has like some sort of uh, what's the way um, psychological disorder yeah. and just the way that they treat them it's it sucks it's like they almost don't look at them as their family and I know that families are different from case to case but in this community where we don't acknowledge it in the first place or rarely acknowledge it it's hard to see it uh, firsthand and see that you can't even support your own family through this mm -hmm. um, because of that I've kind of backed away from interacting with them and it sucks because I feel like I should be able to say something but yeah. I mean they come out and just say the stigma like I'm gonna be someone that agrees with them yeah. and literally they know I'm technically a part of that stigma and it's little things like that it's just it's hard for me to want to like introduce the actual fact that there are health discrepancies mental health discrepancies between our ethnicities our race but i don't know it's i don't know it's weird i want to be able to say something but i feel like i physically can't because of who i am sure so um how so like how would you say like um you have made efforts to address it and you know speak to the community of you know people of color that you you know you would say that you have addressed like you know the mental health toll that you know just everyone faces in one yeah. way or another yeah um so I've become a little bit more confident in myself. Um, been going through a lot of life shit, and one of the things I realized is that I just need I need to be open with things, open with who I am. So I haven't gotten to the stage where I can just tell everyone. Well, I suppose I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can't tell everyone that is within a close relation to me because I still don't want to be. I don't want them to change their opinion on me. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been, I don't, I've experienced people just say things in a certain way that it's like, oh, if you knew that you were talking to some like, someone like that, um, would you still say that or would you like back away from saying something to them? So, I try to let people know when I can. Um, mm -hmm mainly when it just comes up and I feel like the situation is right. I've been able to tell a few people that I'm close with, but uh, it's still something that I'm working towards. I, I am trying to get to that point where yeah. I can become an open advocate for not just people with ADHD, but people with high uh, anxiety, uh, depression, and any other mental disorder or not disorder. Uh, disparity yeah. that might affect them. Why do you think it is that, you know, you feel like um, your particular demographic is, I guess, like resistant to the acknowledgement of it and everything? Like, I guess, like, why do you feel like it's hard to acknowledge? Um, I would say that goes back 
to I don't even know. So it's interesting. So I I would say it goes back further than slavery. I would say that a lot of it in America started at say slavery, but it definitely goes further back than that because of my dad. Um, he was born in Cameroon. His family's still in Cameroon. Like he's never been to America. Sure, until he came to America. So. I've encountered family members that say that they don't really agree with the term mental health. They think that there's just something wrong with them and that they are either going to be broken or they can be fixed. There's no in-between. There's yeah. no like they need to work on something and they need to constantly work on something yeah. for the rest of their lives. Sure. Um, so that's why I say it goes further back than slavery, but for the main part, um, I would say in black America, it's started at slavery because of how people with certain disorders were technically treated. Um, so let's say uh, schizophrenics, they, were treated as outcasts even by the family members themselves because they didn't want to be associated with them because that meant either being whipped, having your rations uh, downgraded for the day, week, month, how, whatever. Um, and it was just like they wanted to separate that as much as possible. Sometimes if they were uh, on the bipolar side, they were looked at as someone that couldn't necessarily be trusted or like they couldn't really feel safe around them mm -hmm. because they could have an episode and you know they might hurt someone they might run away lead you to trying to follow them trying to help them um, and it just resulted in yourself getting hurt and so like over time you know slavery ends there's still this stigma around people that have psychological uh, discrepancies, disparities. And there's never a full acceptance of, oh, he might have something mentally wrong with him, like his brain might not be working properly. There's always just like, oh, he's crazy or you know he's just different or just stuff like that where they don't accept the possibility of there being actually something physically wrong with them mm -hmm. and it's this lack of acknowledgement that's trended to today and yes now that there's more awareness around uh, mental health there's still a lack of acceptance in that someone might be um, diagnosed with something but they that doesn't necessarily mean anything to them because it is coming from a white person a white diagnosis mm -hmm. um, because uh, of slavery 
post-slavery era, Jim Crow, um, civil rights, because all of that happened and black people were just focusing on trying to you know, earn their own rights, there was never time for people to look at their health. No one's ever looked at black health, uh, mental health. And, um, and so there's just this lack of acknowledgement that's festered and festered over, over these centuries and years and all that. And because it got to a point where white America was saying, was not saying, was acknowledging that there was a possibility of mental health disparities. And now you're seeing like this whole, not just, I don't want to say culture, but um, acknowledgement, acknowledgement. Um, see, so as a black American, I'm just going to say it seems like a trend from white America that you have a lot more people with uh, mental health disparities that are being diagnosed with these mental health disparities. And so being a white American, I can see that pretty openly because I still got treated with uh, mental health uh, disorder disparity and my mom was white and she was the one that took me to all of my appointments. My dad never, he never did that. Um, and so I've seen both sides and I've seen that the black slash African-American side has still yet to acknowledge and started to openly talk about it amongst their own community. Whereas white America had started acknowledging that while we were struggling to still get our rights. Yeah. And so they've had time to develop mm -hmm. all of these treatments and methods to kind of help people cope and manage these uh, stressors and disparities. Yeah. And now that it's a open, I guess, concept, people actually see that it's a real thing. Black America is like, oh, that's just a white people thing. We can't have that. That's not amongst us. No. That person is just like, yeah. uncle whatever is just crazy. He's Deep, it's a deeply rooted resistance to oppression. Is yeah. What it, seem, it sounds like. Yeah, and I feel like until we get to a point, sadly, that we are no longer having to fight for equality and our own right to just be a person, we are never going to be able to fully accept that this is an actual cause that affects not just our community, but everyone in the world. Humanity. You, you can hear about like, all right, so you don't really hear about people with mental health struggles in countries that are fighting, except for maybe PTSD where that's war, but that's a whole, like that's a whole different type of uh, experience like that yeah. that's caused by something that's automatically tra yeah tragic. that's not something you're born with um but you don't hear much of a conversation around this i mean yeah maybe because we're in america and we're oblivious to anything that's happening outside yeah. of us and b because those countries are still struggling within themselves to find equal rights not just amongst their own people but amongst their neighboring countries, uh, certain religious groups, depending on where they're living at. And it's just all these little 
things that show that there's never been time for these communities to actually come to terms with the fact that mental health struggles or uh, issues are real. Yeah. And so it's just been a constant battle that I've noticed totally. and, it, and it just kind of sucks. True. Yeah. And it makes it difficult for me, even though I'm mixed, I'm still viewed as a black American to come out and be like, yo, no, this is what I'm seeing from both sides and it's not a lie because it affects me. All right. Um, Linge, so, um, so my camera died sadly, so we're starting this off video to use our closing thought. So how do you feel, um, you know, the, the black community, the African community, as you're involved in, has made positive steps towards acknowledging mental health? Right, so as I was saying, um, I don't, I can't necessarily recall a specific article because sadly I haven't seen that many stories about it. But I have seen movements by not just small families from small communities here and there, but from artists such as Vic Mensa, you know, Chance the Rapper, shout out to both of them, Chicago artists. Um, you see things from Jay-Z, Meek Mill, both who grew up in projects have made it and can actually say, yo, no, I was going through a lot of depression, high stress anxiety because of the situation I was put in. And the fact that they're coming out and saying these things as black Americans, it makes me feel better that there are people that are bringing awareness in our community and actually are stepping up and trying to vocalize the issues that are still causing struggles amongst ourselves. So I would say there are little stepping stones like that. They're not enough, but they are making the right move. And I'm hoping that within my lifetime, we will see a massive movement, a massive shift of the way that my community thinks about mental health. Sure. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that makes total sense. And um Thank you for speaking on such a difficult topic. Um, so as we close out, Elenge, what keeps you up at night? Mm, my cat. <laughs> Shout out cats. Yeah, but man. Cats are great. They're good people. Yeah, I know you had to feed your cat before you got here. So um, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Music and podcasts, actually. Man. And, and actually, no, I take all both of those back. My favorite thing is yeah. nature noises. Oh yeah, true. Those apparently those apps are a wonder. They are. Yeah. <laughs> so phones are good for some things, I guess. Yeah, supposedly. Thank you for bringing on the show. Thank you for having me, Ben. Of course. Um, remember, no matter what race, creed, background, anything, acknowledge your mental health. It's important. Um, good for us. Good for you. Good for everyone. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for watching, Mister Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.